Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Theologize. First off, I just want to apologize that the break has been so long. Um, this is actually going to be episode 17. Um, last episode was recorded June 18th, so this has been just a little bit of time <laughs> between episode 16 and episode 17. I was going to do sort of this like break and do a new season, but I thought it was better just to continue on with season one of Theologize. So thank you guys for joining and listening today. Um, And sort of just, I guess, took a break because the end of summer was about. And, uh, you know, got to enjoy those summer days here in Washington. And if you don't know much about the Northwest of America, it gets pretty rainy and fairly cold. We're not Midwest status, but... You know, it gets fairly cold here in the month starting, I guess, in October. Uh, I mean, 50 degrees, mid-50s is not fairly cold unless you're from the south or from California or some tropical place. But uh, we are in sort of that weather right now. And so I thought with the rain, the fall season, uh, for you fall fans out there, um, congratulations. We are now in that time. Um. And with the colder weather, that it was a perfect time to be jumping back into podcasting, especially since uh, we won't be going outside as much and enjoying the sunshine. So what better thing to do than listen to a podcast while you drive in the rain? Maybe something that's a little bit educational or will help you out in your faith walk or your view on the Bible or whatever it might be. Maybe one of our guests that are coming up here in the near future are going to be a little bit of help, but... We're all excited to be doing this again and, you know, uh, jumping back into podcasting. Um, Missed it. So here we go. Um, And with that, I had this thought that I think would be beneficial for, you know, people who listen to the podcast um, and just an extra interesting factor, like an extra peak your interest factor. And that is um, not to just talk about, you know, topical things uh, when it comes to say church things uh, like we've been doing on our last few episodes. Um, For example, like sin or grace or, you know, social media. Uh, But to actually dive deeper into the Bible um, in the places that we really don't understand. And so I would like to start doing segments that entail, for example, Bible mysteries. And so once in a while, we're going to have a podcast that's not as long, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, but is strictly um, tied to some sort of Bible mystery, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, and I'll get to that shortly, or difficult passages, passages that we read and we just kind of scratch our heads to. So that's where we're at right now, Um, just an an extra entity to be adding to the podcasts, and uh, I think something that people will enjoy and something that Uh, Personally, I would enjoy listening to, so even if no one else does, I enjoy doing the research for these things. So, you know, someone's winning out there, either myself or people listening, and um, I hope it's both. I hope that people um, are interested in learning about these mysterious Bible passages that you read or mysterious Bible characters, like uh, one of my friends keeps bringing up, do the Leviathan. Well, okay, maybe we can try. But things like that. So not saying that I'm the most expert, but I do have 
the research at my disposal. And so we're going to dive in together and I hope that I can at least be a starting point for these topics and then you can get your interest peaked and jump into a deeper realm of studying these things should you choose. And so without further ado, we're going to jump into our first Bible mystery topic, mysterious things of the Bible, either mysterious places, mysterious people, mysterious happenings. Um, And today, that is going to be a mysterious people group known as the Nephilim. The Nephilim. Now, what the heck are the Nephilim? Maybe you've heard this this, uh, word thrown around when it comes to um, scripture, people preaching, uh, and you sort of thought to yourself, what the heck is that? Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today is this people group, the Nephilim. Uh, there's a lot of views and we're not going to cover all of them and I'm not going to give you a specific view that I hold, but we will talk about several views and several, uh, I guess scholarly views that, um, are held and then the potentials of what the Nephilim could actually be. And without without any any more added, let's go ahead and jump right in to the Nephilim. <laughs> okay. So in the Old Testament, there's a few places that the Nephilim are mentioned. One is Genesis 6-4. We're going to hold off on that spot um, because that spot is the big like question mark for most scholars and the question mark for most people when they read uh, thinking, well, that's just weird and it's a head scratcher and it just sounds crazy. The other spot in the Old Testament is Numbers 13.33 and this is the conquest or excuse me, the prior to the conquest of Canaan. And so when the Israelites had left Egypt, God had promised them this place. And now they left Egypt, you know, the the sea was opened up for them. The sea crashed down on the Egyptian armies. They had seen plenty of God's miracles already with the plagues and helping them escape Egypt. And so God had promised them, promised them, excuse me, this land uh, that was flowing with milk and honey. And that's just, you know, um, a way of saying it was going to be a lush land. There was going to be a lot there for them to grow crops, a lot them for a lot there to sort of build off the land and build a good life for themselves, and they'll enjoy many years in this place, um, in this land flowing with milk and honey, a plentiful land, um, you could say. And so they're looking forward to the, this place. God had promised them the land flowing with milk and honey, and that place was Canaan. And so when they left Egypt, they were looking forward to this place called Canaan. They came to the border, and um, they the Israelite leaders had sent out 12 spies to go, and because the land was inhabited before the Israelites got there. Now, this land, this land was promised to them, and they would take it because God had promised it to them, but it was needing to be taken, you know, we uh, by force, essentially, um, is what we're going to see here in the conquest of Canaan in the, in the coming chapters. And so when the Israelites got there, sent out 12 spies um, to essentially check out the land and see what kind of people were inhabiting the land. Now, the Bible says in Numbers 
that they saw these people who were inhabiting the land. And to the Israelites, these they themselves seemed like grasshoppers to these so-called Canaanites. And they in turn said, the Canaanites thought the same thing. The Canaanites thought that the Israelites to them were like grasshoppers. Now, what is that implying? What I believe it's implying is that the Israelites were tiny compared to these giant men and potentially women, just this giant people group. And they saw that and it struck fear into their hearts. And the Canaanites looked at these people. Now, we don't know uh, exactly what group um, of Canaanites this was, but they looked at the Israelites and they thought the same thing. Who are these people that are like grasshoppers to us. Maybe they've never seen something so small, um, a small people group. Now, this is where it gets extremely interesting. This is where the legend, or as the Bible tells us, begins this discussion of potentially Nephilim being the giants. Now, I'm going to read the two verses um, just so we have a reference point. Genesis 6-4 says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Now, I know that sounds weird. We're seeing sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children with them. What the heck is going on there? We are going to talk about that in just a little bit. The second part is Numbers 13-33. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. Now, they're, now here they're categorized with another people group, the Anakim. With that, there's also their cousins, the Rephim. Maybe I'm pronouncing them a little wrong, so excuse me. The Emim and the Zamzumim. So four different, and there's probably more, four different people groups that were associated with the Nephilim or these giants. And so it says here in Numbers 13.33, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak, who was obviously the, the head of the Anakim, Anak himself, come down from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, looking at these giants, and we looked the same to them. Okay, so that's interesting. So now let's talk about the potentials of what the Nephilim could be and what the Bible says and different translators say. Now, I'm not giving you a specific opinion I believe in or a specific belief I hold, but I will talk about what others have suggested and scholars have said, and then that's up for you to decide what to believe in. So the Bible says they're either giants or some sort of semi-divine beings that were obviously large, and they they appear in the pre-flood era. This is, you know, Genesis 6-4 is the pre-flood era. Obviously, Numbers 13-33 is post-flood, so obviously they were still around after the flood, which is a question in and of itself, thinking that if Noah and his family were the only survivors in this global flood, then we might need to start talking about maybe it wasn't a global flood or maybe it was a regional flood and it was the whole world. We know we're not going to get into the whole flood debate here, but 
They were obviously pre-flood era in Genesis 6-4 and then post-flood era. These either giants or semi-divine beings who appeared um, to the pre, pre the flood and then prior to the conquest of Canaan. And maybe, just maybe, food for thought, they were supposed to be destroyed in the flood with Noah, but were still around. And so the conquest of Canaan was specific in the need to finish off these semi-divine beings or these giants. And as Genesis 6-4 says, the sons of God came down to the daughters of men. We're not we're we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but maybe God had a bigger plan there with the flood and with Canaan, and they were actually tied a lot closer together than people think. So these obviously the the ID, the identification of the Nephilim is it's pretty debated. Um the term Nephilim is actually derived from this Hebrew word, which is nephal. Uh, it means to fall. And so the origin of this word is debated um, widely um, because the word Nephilim is a transliteration. It's not something that was taken and translated into English to, to mean Nephilim, um, it was actually a transliteration. And what a transliteration is, is taking a word, the translators would take a word and they would basically um, put it into English what it sounds like from the Hebrew word. Now, I don't have the Hebrew pronunciation, but Nephilim, uh, whatever it sounds like in Hebrew, which is probably similar, Nephilim was just taken into the English with our English uh, pronunciation and accent to become Nephilim. Now, a little later, we get the Greek translators... Uh, we see this largely in the Septuagint, where they translated the Nephilim to giants. Doom, doom, doom. And so you start to think that the he- the Greeks here might be tying in some of this Greek mythology and legend about the Titans and these other things that they've heard from stories and say, maybe there's some truth to this uh, as we're reading these old manuscripts from Scripture in translation, and maybe there were actual giants. Now, I personally believe that they were giants, and the Bible is pretty clear when it talks about Numbers 13.33 that they were grasshoppers, and um, it's not something to hold on to um, and say that it's, you know, there's some deeper meaning behind it or um, some sort of, uh, it's supposed to be uh, analogous or something like that. I think it's it's pretty, you know, it's a story telling that they were small people. Um, now, I want to jump to the Genesis 6-4 portion. Nephal is this word to fall, where people, scholars believe that they got the word Nephilim from. So the Nephilim could be the following, according to scholars. They could be angels who fell from heaven, the, the actual angel, angels, um, or as some call them, wa- the watchers. So those angels who looked down and, and were with Satan, but they specifically came down to have um, cohabitant relations with women. Sexual, yes, sexual relations with women. So, and this is the Hebrew word, of uh, uh, the root word. It could refer to humanity's moral fall, it could re- refer to hostile warriors who fell upon unsuspecting victims, or it could just um, refer to those who fell in battle. Now, 
with some grammatical issues and hard, difficult translations on Genesis 6-4. Um, sorry, that was the root word of Nephilim or to fall. With some grammatical issues and difficulty with translations, what could the Nephilim actually be? Um, well, first, the Nephilim could be actual semi-divine offsprings, essentially demigod-like offsprings from these angels that came down to women. So they are part, part demonic or part um, spiritual and part human. Um, the sons of God and the daughters of men. And if the Nephilim are connected to the offspring of this illicit union, of this sexual union, um, then we're seeing some sort of giant demon-based thing. Uh, now, there are those who hold this view, um, and the Bible does imply it, and maybe we start to see that the flood was necessary because these guys needed to be destroyed, and then Canaan was necessary because... Satan came in with his demonic realm and he corrupted the bloodline of humanity and Christ was the plan that God had initiated after the fall of man and with sin and Satan came in and he said, I'm going to try to corrupt that with demons and whatever it might be. And so they came down and had relations with women to try to corrupt bloodline and all of that. And so the flood was necessary to wipe that all out and Noah was the only righteous one that was saved in his family. Now, a lot of people hold that view, and uh, it's pretty radical. Um, not saying it's impossible, it's radical. Um, that sort of gives us the idea of Greek mythology also being tied into that. Maybe it's not as far-fetched as people say, like, this is impossible. No, it, it potentially is possible if these giants were huge men, and we're starting to see corrupted bloodlines, weird animal creatures. You know, we don't really know what existed. The Bible doesn't tell us. But potentially, if there were these men that the Bible doesn't really speak too in-depth about, then we could start imagining that there would be other things out there that um, could be odd or peculiar to people. And so we get Greek mythology, the Titans, you know, uh, hippogriffs. <laughs> I don't know if that's... That's a mythological creature, but, you know, you get the context that I'm, I'm talking about here. Um, secondly, the Nephilim could be just mighty men of renown, uh, but they're just men, merely human. So the offsprings of the Sethites. So Seth was the next righteous son of Adam and Eve after Abel, I believe. And uh, these were considered sons of God because they're coming from a righteous bloodline. And so then they go and uh, have intercourse with the daughters of men, the K the Canaanites, and all of these other earthly or pagan um, people groups. And so we get this righteous Sethite group going in and having sexual relations with uh, pagan groups. And uh, we get um, this, this analogy of the sons of God and the daughters of men. Uh, now, s certain people held this group that are profound, like Julius Africanus, Augustine, Luther, and John Calvin himself held this view that they were all humans, and we are just seeing righteous people groups go into pagan people groups, and um, and that's happening there. And so the Nephilim are just the descendants of that. Thirdly, the Nephilim could be the sons of God themselves, so these watchers, so these angels or demons that fell from heaven and now they're inhabiting earth and causing problems. Um, 
And yeah, and we're just seeing the chaos erupt from that with these watchers as they're corrupting the bloodline of humanity and causing and teaching people to be sinful. And I could only imagine that humans, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't know that much. They knew the command of God not to take and eat of the fruit, but that's about it. That is the extent of sin that they knew is don't do what God says not to. But now, what if we're seeing these demonic angels coming in and teaching them, not Adam and Eve, but the people of earth, these horrible things? Um, You know, obviously Cain murdered Abel, but then you're starting to see uh, just elicit sex and immorality and um, more murder and you're starting to see sacrifices and um, bestia. You know, you're starting to see all of this crazy stuff that could have been taught by these fallen angels. And so people hold that view that that is a huge possibility in and of itself. Now, let's get to the interesting thing. Now that we talked about what the Nephilim could be, I think they're giants. Which realm do I think they came from? Let's go ahead and just for the sake of entertainment purposes and being on a podcast, say that they did come from the daughters of men and the sons of God. So angels came down and had intercourse with women. And now God deemed the world wicked, not just sinful because God with Adam and Eve could have said, I'm going to wipe them out and start over righteousness right now. But he allowed it to go and he allowed it to go for a certain amount of time until apparently only Noah was a righteous man and his family were righteous before God's eyes. And so now we have this pre-flood idea of the Nephilim. Okay. And God sees that Satan has tried to corrupt the bloodline of humans through these angels. And so God says, look, I can't have this happening on my earth anymore if we want to enact a plan of salvation. And so he sent the flood. And so Numbers 13.33 and Genesis 6.4 are two different points post and pre-flood where we see some sort of survival of these Nephilim-like beings. So maybe God sent the flood as an attack to wipe out the Nephilim and evil from humanity. And then in Numbers 13.33, we see that God had a plan to specifically conquer Canaan because this was the last of the Nephilim. Now, this is just food for thought. This is not any, and people hold this view. Scholars do hold this view, but this is not any, like, this is concrete. This is a salvational issue just something interesting to think about and something interesting to sort of have in your discussions with friends as you're hanging out. But now we get to this part of how the heck did these potential Nephilim survive the flood if this was God's plan in the first place? Well, that could be that Noah's flood potentially wasn't global, like we talked about earlier, um, but it was regional and Um, these mighty men could have migrated from Mesopotamia to Canaan. Um, and then they appear in these conquest narratives. Noah, the second view is that Noah could have potentially been one of these Nephilim. Um, in fact, if Noah himself was a descendant of the Nephilim, then they could be present after the flood. Um, this one I tend to disagree with a little bit. 
there's a view that's held that one of the Nephilim somehow survived the flood. Um, and old rabbic, rabbinic traditions actually suggest that one of the giants, whose name was Og, actually held on to um, <laughs> Noah's Ark and he survived the flood, which I like. I, I, I believe is highly unlikely. Um, and then uh, the other view is that the spies who went over to see these Nephilim and were afraid were just using them as just uh, drama. You know, that these were, this was a dramatic hyperbole, that these guys weren't as big as they said they were, and they were just dramatizing it so uh, they could strike fear in the rest of the Israelites and say they don't match. <coughs> Excuse me. They don't have much of a chance. My personal view, um, and this might cause and stir up some issues, was that Noah's flood potentially wasn't global and there was a migration and so God used the conquest of Canaan to wipe out the rest of these Canaanites or giants or pagan-like people who um, the Nephilim were considered very evil. Uh, I mean, they were obviously pagan worshipers, so they didn't believe in God um, or anything of God. Oftentimes, human sacrifices uh, plenty of worship in the temples that involved prostitution, sex, lust, crazy things. Um, I mean, as disgusting and evil as you can think the Nephilim probably were. And you start to think that maybe these conquests, these huge walls like Jericho, why were these walls so tall? What were they trying to keep out? Um, just another food for thought item. But, you know, these were pretty bad um, guys, these Nephilim. In fact, potentially cannibalism, potentially eating other human beings. And I could see that happening with the Israelites as small as they were <laughs> to these Nephilim guys. And so what's the point of all this that we're talking about? Well, it's to just get you some insight on this people group. I know we've been, we're coming up on 30 minutes now of doing this podcast. And I hope that this, this information was a little bit relevant to you and gets you to start thinking about the Nephilim and what they could have been um, and uh, and what they, you know, and what they um, were back then. Um, and yeah, we haven't found any bones or anything that we know of that could relate to these people groups, but I tend to believe what the Bible says and how the Bible describes them. And let's see here. Uh, there's a place in scripture where they actually talk about um, the size of one of their beds. And let me see here um, in Deuteronomy when Moses and they were conquesting Canaan, the uh, Israelites, they came across this guy, Og, who we talked about a little earlier. Um, and he was the king of Bashan and he was the last of the Rephites, excuse me, geez, tongue tied there who is a group we talked about earlier with the Anakim and the other, the other cousins of the Nephilim. And it gives actually a specific measurement on the size here. Um, it says his bed was decorated with iron, which sounds pretty cold and uncomfortable. And it was more than nine cubits long. Now a cubit is about 17 and a half to 20 inches in length. So if we, you know, if we go ahead and go with the max length there, uh, 20 inches, sorry, um, 
we are going to get 180 inches, which, uh, let me do that math off the top of my head here, forgive me, is going to be um, about 15 feet. So this guy's bed was 15 feet. Now, that's much larger than our average beds, um, and then four cubits wide, um, you know, much much larger than our beds. Obviously, this guy was a pretty, pretty big guy. Um, and so we see that the Bible talks about them as being giants. You know, we see Goliath and Goliath's brother who David and David's brother killed. And um, we just, we see these large people groups and it's just something to think about where these people came from, the extent of their size, who they actually were. And so this is a little bit of an introduction and maybe we'll do a future episode on the Nephilim again. But here you heard it, Nephilim, giants of the Bible, potentially tied with the mythological beings of the Greek world. The Greek translators translated it to giants, these evil guys who needed to be wiped out because they were potentially from a bloodline of the demonic world and were doing horrible things here on earth, pillaging, raping, murdering, sexual terrible things. Um, And so we dive into it briefly. And the New Testament talks about it too. Both in 1 Peter and I believe Jude, there are specific verses tying back to the flood era saying that these watchers or these angels have a special place in hell, a pit that they're being held in until judgment day because they did something terrible, far worse than any other demon or person has to face. And so you start to think, okay, maybe, just maybe they did come down and try to corrupt the bloodline of humanity and have sexual relations with women. But that is up for you to study and interpret and decide. I just want to thank you for jumping into this episode and quickly covering the Nephilim. I know there's so much more to talk about. Thank you for listening to episode 17 of Theologize. I'm excited to be back and doing the podcast. Catch you guys again in episode 18 coming soon. See ya.